Well, we got hit with a double dose of winter. Over 20 inches of snow in one week and temperatures plummeting to 20 below zero. And not wind chill, but actual temperature. Whew. But still, praise God, we made it through. And you know, this past Sunday, despite all of the, the cold and the snow, we had just a little over 200 in total attendance at church. And I find that almost um, unbelievable, which makes me want to say, you guys rock. I'm serious. What a blessing. Well, I have a few announcements to share with you, and I will be dealing with a brand new question for the pastor. It's January the 17th, 2024, and this is your Midweek Connection. I do want to apologize that we were not able to make the live stream work on Sunday morning. It seems that the region around the church building has uh, been suffering from an internet outage for several days. In fact, we still are suffering from that internet outage. And so that's why we were not able to offer the live stream. But we were able to record uh, the Sunday gathering and we were able to have it up by 1.30 p.m. And so I'm grateful to those who made that happen uh, so that folks could then at least connect in that way. If you've not had an opportunity to engage with last Sunday's sermon, then I encourage you to do so as Revelation chapter 4 is the foundation for what we will cover this coming Sunday in Revelation chapter 5. I'm hopeful to have the internet back by Sunday. So whether you're able to attend live and in person or whether you need to connect via the live stream, I anticipate being able to connect with you on one of those two uh, methods. Okay, well, here are this week's announcements. Number one, TMC membership class is coming on Sunday, February the 18th at 4 p.m. If you're interested in learning more about the Mission Church and what it means to be a member, this class is for you. You can register by using the link provided in this Friday's email blast. Child care can be available upon request. Number two, we were not able to hold our second Sunday prayer gathering this last Sunday because of the weather, but the prayer guides that would have been used are available, and you can pick up one of those at the welcome desk adjacent to the west side doors if you're interested. They should be there through this coming Sunday. Number three, men's breakfast is coming up this Saturday, January the 20th at 8 a.m. in the community room. Phil Swift is going to be our speaker, and Brian Balmer will be the MC for the day. I'm going to be there, and so I hope to see you there as well. Number four, this Sunday, January the 21st, is the last day to bring hats, gloves, mittens, and socks for our uh, clothing or winter clothing drive. Now, you will find collection boxes at both the west and the east entrances. So if you're planning on bringing something for that, this Sunday is your final opportunity. 
Well, that's all I have for the announcements for this week. Now we move on to questions for the pastor. This week's question for the pastor comes from a member who asks, After your sermon a few weeks ago, where you made mention of the book of life, and that the names of those who will be saved were written there before the foundation of the world, how is it then that people have a choice to believe or not believe, if that is true? Upon further study, I came across information that seemed to indicate that there is a book of the living and a book of life, or a.k.a. the Lamb's book of life. So, does that mean God has placed all in the book of the living at the beginning of time? We know that God gives a choice to believe in Jesus, and when we confess Jesus as Lord and Savior, He places our name in the Lamb's book of life, right? (laughs) Help me understand this. Well, okay, that's a great question. It's kind of long, but we'll strive to, to, to tear it down and, and, and deal with the different parts. So I'm going to try to provide a, a good and biblical response to the question. You know, it's believed by some that there are two different books in heaven that share the word life in their title. There's the book of life, a.k.a. the Lamb's book of life, and the book of the living. Now, I'm going to start with what I, with what some refer to as the book of the living. There are two Old Testament citations that are given to make the case for the existence of this book. Exodus chapter 32, verses 32 and 33, and Psalm chapter 69, verses 20, verse 29. Now, this book is said to have the names of those who are alive written therein, meaning that as people are born, their names are added. Those who die, their names are removed. That's the basic idea. So let's begin with Exodus 32. Moses is pleading with God for the lives of his fellow Israelites who made and worshipped the golden calf while he was on the mountain receiving God's commandments. God's anger burned hot against the Israelites, and after calling them a stiff-necked people, God said this in verse 10, Now therefore, let me alone, that my wrath may burn hot against them, and I may consume them, in order that I may make a great nation out of you. In other words, what God is saying is, I'm going to kill all the Israelites, and I'm going to start over with you, Moses. And so, in verse 32 and 33, Moses pleads for their lives. Verse 32, Moses says, But now, if you will forgive their sin, but if not, please blot me out of your book that you have written. But the Lord said to Moses, Whoever has sinned against me, I will blot out of my book. Now, it's interpreted by some that the book in question referred to by uh, God as my book there in the passage is, in fact, a book that is referred to as the book of the living and that his threat to blot them out is about taking their physical life 
thus removing them from the book of the living. In Psalm 69, verse 28, we find King David lamenting those who are wicked and have done him great harm. And so he prays, Let them be blotted out of the book of the living. Let them not be enrolled among the righteous. Now again, some see this as a prayer that God will judge David's enemies by taking their physical life. But he also adds, don't let them find a place among the righteous. So, the book of the living. You know, I'm not going to drive my stake in the ground for this particular idea. It may very well be, as some believe, a book of all who are physically alive and that names are added when people are born and they're taken away when people die. I'm not fully convinced, and so at this point, I'm not going to say it's not biblical or that it is biblical. I just kind of hold the idea rather lightly. However, in the New Testament, we find very clear revelation about the book of life, or what is also known as the Lamb's book of life. Now, there's two different titles there, but they seem to be one and the same book, recording the names of all who receive eternal life through Jesus Christ. The book of life is mentioned seven times in the New Testament, once in Philippians and six times in Revelation. So, let's take a look. First, Philippians chapter 4, verse 3. The Apostle Paul says, Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help, those, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers, notice, whose names are in the book of life. Now, Paul seems to be referring to a book in heaven that holds the names of those who are saved, those who have received eternal life. Moving on to Revelation chapter 3, verse 5, we find a promise by the Lord Jesus that those whose names are found in the book of life will never have them removed. We, look at this, we looked at this when we were in uh, Revelation 3, uh, looking at the churches there uh, in Asia Minor. Anyway, verse 5 says, The one who conquers, meaning the one who is trusted in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, 1 John 5, 5, that's where we get that will be clothed thus in white garments and will never and I will never blot his name out of the book of life. Revelation chapter 13 verse 8 and Revelation 17 verse 8 speak to when people's names are written in the book of life. When when does that happen? Revelation 13:8 says, and all who dwell on earth will worship it. It's a reference there to the image of the beast or the Antichrist. Who's going to do that? Everyone whose name has not been written before the foundation of the world in in the book of the Lamb who was slain. Revelation chapter 17 verse 8 says, The beast that you saw and is not and is about to rise from the bottomless pit and go to destruction. And the dwellers on earth whose names have not been written in the book of life from the foundation of the world will marvel to see the beast because it was and is not 
and is to come. So we find two passages there, again, where uh, the book of life or the book of life of the Lamb uh, is mentioned. And in this particular case, mentioned from the negative sense of those whose names are not written there. They will be the ones who worship the beast. They will be the ones who will suffer um, judgment and, um, and, 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 the, and the ravages uh, of the tribulation period. Revelation 20 and verse 12, as well as verse 15, speak of a future judgment called the Great White Throne Judgment and the Book of Life. Revelation 20, 12, And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and the books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books, according to what they had done. Verse 15, And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Finally, Revelation chapter 21 verse 27 speaks of the book of life in relation to the new heaven and the new earth. But nothing unclean will ever enter it, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. So these seven passages seem to be very clear. But the book of life, a.k.a. the Lamb's book of life, have the names of all the redeemed recorded in it. And that those names were placed there before the world was even created. Now, that tracks with Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4 where the Apostle Paul wrote, Even as He, that is God the Father, chose us, the redeemed, in Him, that is in God the Son, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him, that is, before God the Father. You know, I'll admit it, 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 it's hard to wrap our minds around it. But the fact remains that the Bible teaches both God's sovereignty and man's responsibility in Scripture pertaining to salvation. Meaning what? meaning that no one can be saved apart from God's direct involvement to draw them to faith in Christ Jesus. And according to Scripture, that the decision on who to do that with was made before the foundation of the world. We see God's sovereignty in this. But on the other hand, Scripture also teaches that no one will be saved without a personal response to the work of the Holy Spirit to repent of their sin and trust in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ as the full and complete payment for their sin. And beyond that, we aren't forced to do this. But we do so according to a personal act of our will. So, no... The redeemed, their names are not added to the book of life when they trust Christ as Savior. According to the inerrant, infallible Word of God, they were placed there before sin was even an issue. As the Scripture said, before the world was even created. And ultimately, it is because a person's name is written there from the foundation of the world that a sinner's spiritual eyes become opened and they express faith in the Lord Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sin 
and eternal life with Him. It's deep, I know, and I'm not sure if my response is a satisfactory answer for the person who asked the question. But I am sure that what I have shared with you aligns with the revelation of God's Word. So I hope that helps. Well, let's take a moment to pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the Word. And I admit that sometimes your Word is hard to grasp. It is not always easy. And yet, we have not only your Word, but the Holy Spirit who opens our eyes and helps us as we study and as we pray, seeking to understand the deeper things, the, 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 the complicating or challenging things of the Word. word. Lord, it's, it's obvious to me as I read the Scripture that you are sovereign and you have chosen before the foundation whom you will save. And yet at the same time, which seems contradictory, you um, share with us your good news and you draw us to make our own choice to turn from sin and to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a mystery. It's truly a mystery, but it's a wonderful mystery that you save sinners from their sin and give them eternal life. Father, I pray for us that we would, if we don't fully understand this, just to rest in it and receive it by faith. And if we do, that we would rejoice in your goodness to us in bringing us into your family, into your kingdom, to be your dearly loved sons and daughters. Lord, help us to be ever eager and vigilant to share your good news with others, that others may have their eyes opened and come into the family of God as well. And as you do, we'll give you the glory and praise for it. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Well, this coming Sunday, we move into chapter 5 of Revelation. We're going to be looking at verses 1 through 7, looking at who is worthy to receive the prophetic scroll from God's hand and open its seals. I think you're going to find this exciting and um, encouraging. And until then, God bless and you have a great week.